Welcome to Trust Company Talks with Bill Noble and Burke Coons. Good morning, and welcome to Trust Company Talks with Bill Noble and Burke Coons. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Mr. Coons. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. It's good to see you. It's good to be seen. It's a pretty day outside. <laughs> it is a beautiful day. October, North Carolina. That's Hard right. It is. It is. Uh, well, we're here this morning with one of our longtime institutional clients, Gavin Stevens, Executive Director of the Alamance Community Foundation. Good morning, Gavin. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. We're so glad you're here. Welcome, Gavin. We're very pleased to have you. Thank you. It's, it's been a lot of fun for me um, to uh, to, well, to have welcome you here this morning, but uh, but I've per- personally enjoyed our relationship you know, over there in, in, uh, in Burlington. And, uh, and it's, it's funny. I remember one of our first meetings there was still during the pandemic. And I, uh, it was one of my first meetings with the foundation and I had to give the presentation with the mask on and my glasses started fucking yeah. up. <laughs> so I figured if you guys could put up with me for that, you could put up with us for, the, for a podcast. So well, welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, tell us a little bit about about the Alamance Community Foundation and uh, and give, maybe give us a little bit of back, background of the organization and, and its um, its purpose. We've it's been a long time client. How, how long has it been now? Twenty uh, twenty twenty one almost years? twenty years. I think mm-hmm. two thousand four. I think mm-hmm. was when we started. Really yeah. great long term relationship. I've, I've been with the firm throughout the whole deal, and I I used to go a lot of your meetings. Now they've they've pushed me out and brought other people in. <laughs> You guys are doing a great job. So, yeah, yeah we'd love to hear more about it. Yeah, well, um, so the Alamance Community Foundation was established in 1991 by a group of charitably-minded folks in the Burlington and Elon communities, really, who um, had heard about the model of community foundations, which were established in the early 1900s, but really took up popularity in the 70s and 80s. And so one started in Greensboro in the mid 80s. And and a group from Alamance said, hey, we've heard about this model where you can kind of collectively give. And we're interested in that. How do we get it going in our community? And so started those conversations. And then as they got deeper into it, realized it was maybe a little more logistically complicated than they were planning to take on at that point. And so ended up partnering up with the Greensboro Community Mm -hmm. Foundation to establish a regional affiliate. So we've always had a local board that was based in Alamance County, um, always had separate investments, and um, for a long time been working with Trust Company of the South. And when I came on board in 2017, uh, it was because our board had said, you know what, we think we have grown as much as we're going to grow in this current structure, and we want to be really, truly local. We want to have our front office and our back office run mm-hmm. out of Alamance County. And so uh, we worked on the the process to establish a separate, separate and independent 501c3, and in October of 2018, officially broke out as an independent community foundation as opposed to that regional affiliate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so really fortunate to have that amazing relationship down the road in Greensboro to have really kind of gotten us started. We were able to sort of figure things out there and still have wonderful relationships with those colleagues. But it's been incredible to see the support being fully local. Mm-hmm. People who wanted to get involved once we were really, truly based in Alamance County. And so we kind of have this 30-plus year history, but also are sort of a new startup organization. Right. Right. So it's it's a real gift to be able to have that history and also have a blank slate. Right. Having that local board and all the local involvement, I'm sure, has been very powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It'd be helpful also. Give us a little bit about your background, Gav, just you personally. I think it'd be good for our audience to hear how you got involved with it and where you came from and everything. Sure. I don't think there's ever been a foundation professional that has not had a circuitous route to get where they (laughs) are today. But um, so I actually uh, was an art major in college, a studio art major. And um, so at Elon. At Elon. Uh That's right. And um, when I graduated. The Phoenix, that's right. Um, go Phoenix. I um, When I graduated, I started working at Elon at my alma mater in admissions, actually. And um, so sort of a sales job. I was uh, recruiting students to come to my alma mater. Um, and I did that for a few years. It was a great first job out of college. But I got to a point where I couldn't I was really struggling with the middle of the road students who weren't getting the high financial need support mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they weren't getting the merit aid. Mm-hmm. They just really loved Elon and wanted to come, but didn't get the scholarship support. Mm-hmm. And um, it was hard for me to tell those students in good conscience that it was worth starting their lives in more than $100,000 worth of debt um, to come to Elon. And I thought, gosh, this seems like a really big problem. What is the solution? Mm -hmm. How could I be more solution-focused on this? And so I ended up moving over to the advancement office, Mm -hmm. the fundraising department, um, much to my parents' eye rolls. My parents had both worked in philanthropy and fundraising and Mm -hmm. for years had been saying, we really think you'd be a great development officer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're parents tell you something right. it means nothing and right. and then my college the opposite. exactly my college roommate said hey i know you're really struggling with this idea of you know the students not getting the scholarships and i noticed that elon posted this position for a new development officer you would be really good at that and i was like great idea mm. i should apply <laughs> <laughs> so i um, moved into that space and while i was doing that i was getting an mba at uh-huh. Elon. And um, when I finished that, I thought, you know, my whole family works for uh, nonprofits in small towns in the South, and I'm going to try something different. I like to call it my quarter life crisis. So I um, moved to New York City and worked in the fashion industry. Very different uh-huh. <laughs> from what I had been doing previously yeah. and anybody else had been doing. And it was I was pretty quickly um, aware that it was not it was not my life's not calling. I, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I was about six weeks in and I thought, gosh, this job does not fill the bucket for me. Right. It doesn't yeah. mean as much to me as, um, as anything I've done previously or where I think I want to be investing my time. And so, um, came back to the South and, um, ended up working in the nonprofit space, mm-hmm. leading, uh, leading a United Way fundraising mm-hmm, department, mm-hmm. and um, but was driving to the next town over to do that. I was living in Alamance County, but I was really investing all of my professional time in a community next door. Mm-hmm. And uh, my husband and I had our first child, and I realized that her hometown was in Alamance County. Right. It was not where I was spending all my time. And if that was going to be her hometown for the long run, I wanted it to pl- be a place that she mm-hmm. could be really proud of over time. And so... Um, I, a a colleague and friend actually found this position at the community foundation and said, have you ever thought about this? This seems like the right fit. And, um, ironically, I actually have parents who both worked in the foundation space and have for many years. So, um, this, 
language was familiar to mm-hmm. me of being in the foundation world. They both worked for private foundations. Um, my mom still does lead a private foundation in my hometown in South Carolina. But um, so just interesting to have kind of that um, that mentality and then to be able to bring that together, that fundraising experience with um, really investing deeply in a community that I cared about and, and being able to focus on the grant making aspect right. too. You know, that brings to, that brings to mind something that we run into a lot. We, so we work with several community foundations, um, trust company does. And I would love for you to just expand a little bit about why are community foundations important to any, not just Alamance where you guys are, but just in general, you know, why is a community foundation important? Yeah, to any what community? is it exactly? You know, what does it do and, and, and why, why should somebody, if they are charitably inclined or if they want to, they want to make a difference. How how can a, a community foundation really be a great tool mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. anybody that wants to help help their community in some way, shape, or form? Yeah, it's a great question, Bill. I, and I think it's in the name, really. It's that word community. It's about thinking locally, really focusing on your home community. And what's interesting about community foundations is they can take many different um, shapes and sizes. In North Carolina, we have more than a dozen community foundations for different counties and uh, regions. The state of Rhode Island, as far as I know, has one community foundation for the whole state, such a small state that that Mm -hmm. the state is their community. Um, So it's interesting that you can kind of run the gamut on that. But I think really that focus on giving locally and understanding the needs that are prevalent in your own home community is a really critically important component that community foundations bring to the table. It's also about collective giving. It's not about individuality in the process. It's about bringing together ideas and resources to try to meet community needs. And so folks can come to us with things that they already care really deeply about, causes that that are important to them, and we can help them support those causes. But we also have people who come to us and say, you know, I have these gifts that I'd like to share, Mm -hmm. and I don't know what the needs are here. I'm not plugged in. How do I figure out? I know I care about education. What's happening in education here? And so we can really help to provide some intel on that, to Mm -hmm. provide the backup and the connections in the network. Yeah, one thing I've I've, feedback I've got from from people like yourself, too, is that they there seems, seems to be some commonality where you can see tangible results of your of your giving. I mean, I, right. I mean, what you know when you give to a to your foundation and it's in your community, you can see that it. Mm-hmm. You can see the good it's doing. It's not just going into some some black bucket somewhere, black hole right, right. somewhere, and and you know it's probably doing some good, but you can't really see it. Does that is that has that been your your experience with with your donors and with your your the folks that y'all work with yeah absolutely i yeah. think especially in this digital age um you know you might think oh gosh we have everything at our fingertips um all the information about the entire universe that we could want is available yeah. to us but i think that people really want to be able to see their impact and um when you give to something very specific uh that is a really clear way to mm-hmm. to track your impact and even if you if you have an amount that feels big to you but feels small in the larger um, in the larger universal universal sense, um, then I think 
it can be really powerful for folks to be able to say, hey, I helped make that happen. And so there's a visual aspect when it's in your home community to be able to say, oh, that playground that I drive past every Thursday, I know that I helped make that that a reality. That's a powerful thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about some of the ways, I mean, obviously we work with you on the portfolio side, but talk about some of the ways that uh, a community foundation provides infrastructure to nonprofits. I think that's an area where maybe it's not quite understood, you know, just what exactly uh, the role is that you guys are performing. Yeah, it's really interesting because a community foundation is, um, we bring dollars in, but we also send a lot of dollars out and a lot of resources out. So it's really about kind of a a convening of resources and then deploying them in the community in short term and long term ways. So uh, trying to be a convener of conversations is a a really critical role that community foundations play. We're not necessarily going to be directly serving your clients, but we we know that you and you and you are all serving similar clients in slightly different ways. We could bring you together around a conversation to address a community need and help facilitate that process. Um, In terms of actual tools that we have in place Mm -hmm. to help the nonprofit community, we think about the nonprofits that you've come across. A number of them are very small. They're small staffs. They don't, they may be even sort of grassroots. They probably don't have an investment manager on their staff. They right. may not have a CFO. They may not have the opportunity to really um, dig deeply into their long-term financial strategies and, and building those long-term charitable resources. So we can really help with mm. that. Um, we manage organizational endowments for different nonprofits in our community that really is helping them build an income stream for down the road over time. And so providing that close oversight Mm -hmm. is really, really critically important. Planned giving is another big piece. Uh, We end up facilitating a lot of conversations around estate gifts because there may not be a giving officer at every local nonprofit, uh, but they may have a donor who's really deeply invested in their work and wants to be able to leave a legacy. Mm -hmm for the long term. And so we can really help to facilitate those conversations, helping the nonprofit and the donor to understand what sort of vehicles could work, mm-hmm. what what kind of structure could work for that, providing that long-term support. So being a resource for that. We also do lots of, we try to bring in subject matter experts uh, around lots of topics that are critically important to nonprofits. So we have a grants process, a competitive grants process where nonprofits can apply to us, but we also do grant writing workshops. We understand that we are not the only grant making game in town and, and maybe you could leverage the dollars that you get from us to get even bigger grant Mm -hmm. funds from the state level or the federal level. So trying to make sure that those resources are available to our nonprofit partners too is, is really an important piece of what we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Alamance County uh, is on the cover of all these different, you know, magazines and, and, and it's growing so significantly. Um, Talk a little bit about, you know, some of the, the opportunities and challenges that that presents. I mean, yeah, talk a little bit about what's going on, you know, in, in the community that that's, you know, creating the need and, and uh, uh, you know, kind of sustaining the need for services like you guys. Yeah. Well, we're uniquely positioned mm-hmm. in the state. We're right in the center of North Carolina and right along the 4085 corridor, that, that few mile stretch where 40 and 85 combine. So if you're going east, west, or you're going north, south, chances are you're coming through Alamance County. Mm-hmm. So really uniquely positioned um, geographically, but also um, 
lots of interesting economic development happening right around us in mm -hmm. our surrounding counties in Alamance County, but also adjacent to us. Mm -hmm. So we've got, um, you know, microchip factories, we've got car battery factories, we've got uh, jet plane right. engines being built, all yeah. of this is happening in and around us. And so with that economic development comes a, a new workforce, comes a lot of support services that come up around those things. They need um, supplies and equipment to do all of mm -hmm. those things. And so having it nearby is really convenient. Lots of distribution happening in our space. So we are actually the fastest growing county in the Piedmont Triad region right mm. now. And over the last decade have seen more than 12% net migration growth. So wow. people coming into the community, this isn't just new births and right. um, you know natural population growth. This is people coming mm -hmm. to Alamance County, which includes Burlington, Elon, uh, Saxapaha, Snow Camp, mm -hmm. Graham, Mebane. There's a whole bunch of different municipalities mm -hmm. that make up Alamance County that are all centrally located around that 4085 corridor. So, um, and and the projections say that in this next decade, we're expecting to see 12 to 13 percent additional growth. Oh. So it's um it's a really interesting time to be there for sure and we've got a lot of long timers we have members on our board who are seventh and eighth generation yeah. alamance county mm -hmm. residents which is just fascinating to me um but then we've got a lot of folks who are coming newly to the community and so our team spends a lot of time thinking about how do we make Alamance County feel like a community. Mm -hmm. A lot of people come and just identify with the municipality where they're living. How do you how do you identify with the county as a community more broadly? Um, we have a lot of people who are commuting from mm -hmm. us to other places. So if you're commuting to Greensboro or to um, the Triangle or to um, one of the new mega sites south of us, how do you really put down roots in mm -hmm. the place where you're resting your head at night. And so trying to figure out how we can be a value add to help people connect in mm -hmm. the local community is, is top of mind for us. What are some of those examples? Like what, what are the, what are sort of the, you know, the themes on a, you know, a countywide basis that you're kind of encountering that, uh, that foster that sense of community? Yeah. Well, um, we're, we're taking a lot of different angles on it. So, um, we our strategic plan that we're in right now has a big focus on scholarships. We manage a number of scholarship funds and over two hundred thousand dollars worth of scholarship money going out annually for supporting Alamance County students in their in their educational pursuits. And so, how do we make sure that all the parts of our county are represented and have access to that support is a big piece of it. Um, certainly, if people are living in Alamance County, the majority of their students are are going to school in Alamance mm -hmm. County. So, connecting through um, through the the students is a, mm -hmm. a big component of it. Um, we're also doing some innovative partnerships to try to make sure that we're building that sense of community. So we just completed a partnership recently with our local hospital system and our local arts council to actually use our scholarship platform or application platform to have artists, local artists submit proposals to get art on the walls at one of our new medical facilities that was opening up in the community. And so being able to, we have a, a health system that's not based in Alamance County. And so to be able to localize that, we're getting this top-notch healthcare available to us. How do we make it feel like mm -hmm. ours? How do we visually represent that we are our own community? Mm -hmm. And so things like that have been really exciting 
Um, and then we're also trying to identify some needs and wrap some conversation and planning around those needs. So, uh, you know, talking about those numbers that I shared on the growth, you think a, a lot of those people are coming for jobs. When you think about people in the workforce, a number of them have young children. Mm-hmm. We have a critical shortage of early child care in our county, in our state, right. in our nation. This is a critical issue. Um, but certainly we're in a unique position because we are growing so rapidly. And so we've been convening conversations this year with the local chamber, the local county and city governments, with early child care providers, um, with other foundations, with our huge employers in the mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. with LabCorp and Glen Raven and Elon. How do we plan for this? How do we get more resources in place so that people who are moving here can actually work because they have a place to take their children mm-hmm. during the day? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's been fascinating for me to watch uh, all Valmounts County, really, which, which 40, 50 years ago was a Primarily a textile, you know, textiles was huge in that, in that area. And when that went away to the to the you know to China and wherever, mm-hmm. you know, all the Asia basically, um, the way that your community has has pivoted and kind of re re repurposed itself. repurposed yeah. yourself yeah. and kind of kind of just gone through a whole new revitalization has been very impressive. And, and Elon University has been. Just the growth of that place has been truly amazing, and um, we've had the fortune of doing some doing some work with them over the years, and um, uh, it's just been fascinating to watch that. And what an engine that's got to that's got to have helped with right. the community as a whole. I mean, not, not absolutely. Just, well, Elon's the city itself now, man. But a lot of people think of it as being in Burlington, I guess. But uh, yeah, so people who aren't from there, I guess. But um, Wow. I mean, it's just powerful. If you go to Elon's campus, I've I've been blown away. It is. It is Uh, amazing. And it's been, they've done a great job at community partnerships, mm -hmm. really bringing the community into the fold and into the growth and into those conversations about what that will look like. Yeah, Um, We have a number of what I would say used to be hidden gems in Mm -hmm. Alamance County that are not hidden anymore (laughs) and um, have really kind of moved to the next level. And, um, you know, Glen Raven is based in Alamance County. That's, uh, that's Sunbrella Fabrics, Mm -hmm. which is a, a, international brand and they're an international company and doing incredible things mm-hmm. to invest in the local community and um, and really to um, create an environment where people want to to come here to work at really a forward-thinking business. Uh, LabCorp is based in Alamance County. Sure, sure. A lot of people don't realize Huge that. Huge success story. Incredible that that was founded and built in right there in Burlington and um our founder, Jim Powell, yeah. at the Community Foundation, just has made such an impression on the community. With uh, um, Dr. Powell is one of the most fascinating people I've ever met. He's, absolutely, he is. He is truly one of the most interesting folks people I've ever talked to. He, he's he's well, he's got a doctorate and everything. He's a <laughs> right. medical doctor, an MBA. He's got a he's yeah. got a. But he loves to just ask you. He'll ask you a million questions if you get into a discussion with him, and he's just fascinated. He's one of these people that's just a, a constant learner. Yeah, right. You, you can just right. tell he loves to learn right. about what you do and what what makes you tick or what makes this thing work. This 
He's just a fascinating guy. When you have people like that in your community, it makes a difference. Right. I think we owe a lot of what's happened in Alamance County in the last couple of decades to people like Jim and and his his friends and colleagues and uh, folks who have really uh, been running and pushing hard to get our community um, established in a new in a new chapter mm-hmm. and um, and kind of on the map and moving forward. And and now we're at this really interesting sort of transition point of, um, you know, if it's a relay race, it's almost like baton passing. Right. And so who who is that next generation of leaders and yeah. um, what does that look like? The the gyms of the world have, have done a lot of really heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. And so trying to figure out what is the next step too. Uh, if someone wants to – get involved with a community with your community foundation or any community foundation mm-hmm. what would you recommend i mean what 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 i mean is there i mean talk about what's the best way for somebody to get involved yeah that's a great question uh, i think with any community foundation i would say a lot of the work happens in the committees so there's the staff that's living and breathing this every day there's a board that's helping to really guide the organization at a high level big picture uh, viewpoint but there's going to be a lot of committees that are actually kind of the worker bees the feet on the ground getting the work done so for example for us we have we have a scholarships committee that helps review scholarship applications but also helps to establish our policies and practices around how we manage our scholarship funds we have a grants committee that's reviewing and selecting those competitive community grants uh, that we have. We have our investment committee, which you guys obviously have Mm -hmm. worked with. And um, those are points where we think it's critically important to have the community fully represented as a, as a community foundation. It's, it's a weighty responsibility to be the foundation for the community. And so we recognize that our community is made up of so many different people with so many different experiences and how do we capture that in a way that feels authentic and meaningful. Um, So committees are a great way to plug in and kind of get a taste of the work, Mm -hmm. get a sense of what's happening in the community. I mean, we have some folks on our grants committee who are are not full board members. They are community members of that committee and and love that role because they get to see all of these grant proposals that are coming in and it helps give a picture of what the needs are currently in our community. And, you know, we're only able to allocate a set amount of funds to address those but it kind of opens the door to, gosh, if this is a need, who else can help? What right. else could we do? It's a dynamic process. Right, yeah. right. And do a lot of those people just call you up and say, hey, I, I want to get involved? Or, or does that is that way it happens for you? It can. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Some okay. of it is um, is word of mouth. You know, people who've been who've really enjoyed working with us before have told right. their friends and they call and say, hey, can I do it, too? Um, I, I'm always trying to be out in the community in different places, meeting new faces. One of the things that we we grappled with for a few years as we were separating from Greensboro was we had been very Burlington Elon heavy. And as I mentioned, there are many Mm -hmm. different communities within Alamance County. And so trying to geographically better represent the community, but a lot of times, and I'm sure you find this in your own circles, you only know who you know. And a lot of times, you know, people who live near you and look like you and have similar life experiences to you. And so uh, it can be challenging from the community foundation side to try to break out of the same voices that have always been at the table, because when you're thinking about replacing folks as they're rolling off, the people who are around the table now are going to recommend 
people that they know. Right. So you put to break out of the echo chamber. Somehow. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that's a constant challenge for a lot of organizations. And so it's a gift if you call up and say, Hey, I'm interested in learning more. Um, but also we try to position ourselves in, in new and different right. rooms than, than where we've always sat before. Yeah. That's so, a good, good point. Uh, talk about the, something that we've talked about offline a little bit, this idea that this sort of generational change going on, it's generational wealth transfer. I mean, you've had, you know, you've got, speaking of Dr. Powell, you've got the Dr. Powell's of the world that have been these sort of lions and icons in the community for, for you know, a generation. And now we're seeing a new generation come on it to talk about the opportunities and the challenges of, you know, that that your organization is kind of addressing now as, as this phenomenon is going on, you know, throughout the country, throughout, you know, the philanthropic world. Right. Yeah, it's I, honestly, Burke, it keeps me up at night <laughs> sometimes. Right, sure. Um, we've got this huge generational transition happening in our workforce. In we're seeing it play out in so many different aspects of our society, but I really end up thinking about it from the philanthropic side. And um, there's a huge transfer of wealth that's happening. And in a community like Alamance County, we're seeing um, – you know, more and more young people, more of my peers are, are moving to metro areas and are living in different communities than the ones they grew up in. Mm-hmm. And so as you're thinking about um, boomers moving out of the workforce and, and maybe transitioning to next chapter, um, that wealth coming down to the Gen Xers and the millennials who are maybe A, not located where their parents were, and B, not giving in the same ways. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. are. We talked a little before about this technological age, but we're in this time and space where you can follow your dollar around the world and your friend can post a Facebook fundraiser about wells in Africa mm-hmm. and you can give to that for their birthday and feel really excited about uh-huh. that. And um, you know, there's there's value to that. Um, but I also think if we are not intentional right. about the next what's coming down the pike the next couple of decades, then a lot of local nonprofits will be scratching their heads mm-hmm. in fifteen or twenty years going, I wish we'd had a plan. Right. Or yeah. at least at least the uh, at least having a plan, exactly, having that intentionality so that you're you know, so that so that you're posting about the good things that you're doing, and that you're creating and you know maintaining the awareness of of the needs in the in your own community versus, uh, you know, something that might not have the the history or the the legacy needs that, uh, you know, that other perfectly good uh, philanthropic um, organizations might have, but but suddenly that's your competition, and you and you know, I guess our challenge is to make sure that the you know your own community uh, is competitive in those in those in the, in the competition for that generational dollar I guess sure that's definitely a component of it I also think though we don't talk enough about legacy mm-hmm. and that's really a huge role that the community foundation plays is to try to help nonprofits think about and and capture the support of these long-standing mm-hmm. donors who are used to writing them a check for a hundred dollars a month or a thousand dollars a year, or they're really consistent. They've given for the last 20 years and, and maybe, maybe what they have given hasn't felt significant in the, you know, in your overall annual budget, but that consistency is critically important. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we place enough weight there. And so we're actually pursuing some strategic work right now to 
help our local nonprofits. Obviously, we manage endowment funds for local nonprofits. I mentioned that earlier. Um, and we have a number of them who it, it takes some foresight to set up an endowment, certainly to say, hey, we want to build a, a nest egg, um, a rainy mm-hmm. day fund. Mm-hmm. That that takes a lot to get off the ground. But then once you have it established, it's invested, so it's mm-hmm. growing that way. But if you're not consciously growing that, it's not going to be a huge income stream in the future. And so I would argue that if you've got these longtime folks who've been supporting you consistently for many years, now is the perfect time to say, you know, you could actually continue to give us $100 a year as you've been doing for the last 20 years. You could do that for the rest of time by endowing your gift. Mm-hmm. And so helping our local nonprofits, we've we've hired a, um, a consultant to work directly with our nonprofits to help them build customized plans to do just that, mm-hmm. to make that ask, to say, here are the people that we know already believe in us and care about us. And whether they will be here at the table in 20 years or not, their support can live on. Right. Um, in perpetuity. And so I think that's a really big role that the community foundations can play. And um, these are uncomfortable conversations to have sometimes. Sure. Nobody likes to talk about this transition because it's hard. Right. Because um, the, the pushback you're going to get is, well, I, you know, I trust my own ability to continue to give and disperse. You know, why would I just, you know, give that to you right now rather than maintain it for myself, maintain that that ownership? And there's a fear, mm-hmm. too. I think right. from the nonprofit side, mm-hmm. there's a fear of, well, gosh, if we ask all of our annual donors, you know, we're we're on this annual mm-hmm. giving hamster wheel. We're so dependent on this annual support to keep the lights on tomorrow. If we ask those donors to give to an endowment, they might not give to us this you year. And how can, how can we think about 15 years from now yeah. if we can't make it through this year? But research shows consistently that donors who give to endowments actually end up giving more annually because they believe mm-hmm. in the long term term lasting power of um, of the organizations that they support. And so really trying to delve deep into that research and share that in meaningful ways with our nonprofit partners and to light that fire to actively make a plan. Um, because my, my worst fear is that none of us have these hard conversations now. And in 15 or 20 years, all of those longtime supporters are gone. And the resources that they had been used to sharing in our community have been deployed elsewhere, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether to their big state universities, their alma maters, or to national or international causes, you know, which are all wonderful things. But I just think it's, it feels like a responsibility Mm -hmm. uh, of, of ours at the community foundation to drive those conversations Mm -hmm. now. Talk about, um, I know we, this came up when we had our investor committee meeting not long ago, but uh, but inflation and what's happening there. Um, you know, obviously everyone's costs are going up. Um, you know, I think we discussed uh, you know how to have conversations with donors uh, in, in this in this kind of environment and how that's been changing, or maybe maybe it hasn't changed, but but it's something that I think you know everyone's gonna have to deal with here in this environment. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I I think everybody's struggling, Mm -hmm. as you said, with, Mm -hmm. with inflation and, um, how to, how to convey that, but also not, not get lost in, in the inflation weeds. Well, it's it's funny because I hesitated to even bring it up, but, but it is something that, uh, and, and the good news is that 
as we said the other day, I, I think our, our experience has been that you know people people understand, yeah. and you, you know your your donors that have been with you for years, they they know very well that your costs have gone up because their own costs have gone up. And I think if, if as long as they have that uh, understanding and that that communication that you guys are, have been working on, um, you know that they, they they know they they understand, and I think you know. It's been our experience so far, anyway, that they're willing to, you know, to continue to, uh, to fight through that. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I mean, we see the trends when when times of crisis are upon us. I think 2020 was our biggest charitable giving year mm-hmm. ever, and um, so in in times of great need. America still seems to have that sense of coming together and and lifting each other up as communities, whether that's mm-hmm. local, it's state, it's it's national. Um, but so that's there's something refreshing and encouraging about that. But then I also think you're playing a numbers game, and mm-hmm. so in times like now where inflation is really high, and we don't we're not necessarily gathering around a specific cause um, or, or crisis, but it's lots of different little crises and right. um, all these little fires that we're trying to put out all at once, um, it becomes really overwhelming. And so um, numbers we're seeing from recently, annual giving is dropping, but but giving to endowments grows. Mm-hmm. And so how do we try to capture that? And um, again, going back to that sort of long-term planning, uh, and you guys know this in, in your industry, certainly, uh, things go up and things go down and, and right. the market is good and the market That's is right. bad. And right. yeah, so we're really trying to play a long game and trying to help our partners to play that long game and and to have something steady that they can right. count on in the future because you just never really know what donors are going to do. And the price of milk might skyrocket so high that everybody says, all right, I'm not giving anything mm-hmm. to anybody but the grocery store. That's all I can afford. And um, so how can we plan for that and help be mindful and prepared right. for that. Well, I don't know. I, I, I just, I know we're getting ready to probably coming to a close here, but I, I, when I think about the community foundation work that we do with, with, with several of the community foundations across the state, I think some of the most rewarding work we do as a firm in that, because I love the fact that you guys are, are, are making a local impact on people, your, your, your neighbors, your people. And I, Americans generally are pretty charitably inclined, you know, mm-hmm. and the, the, the fact that there's so many options out there to give to, I would just recommend to anybody who's listening to this, look at your, look at your community foundation. If you live in Alamance County, if you live in all these, wherever you live, but you know, Gavin's in Alamance County, but if you're in that county and you really want to feel like you're making a true difference and be able to see that difference, reach out to reach out to Gavin, reach mm-hmm. out to people like her, because I appalled they're appalled everything you do. I mean, it's you, you really make yeah, a, it's a, really my favorite part of what I do. It's good going to these I mean, it really know, is. presentations it's, and there's repetition, but but I, I I get energized every time you know we come see you guys and and you know and you can see the impact. You discuss the growth of of the. Uh, of the foundation and the endeavor and, and I don't know, that's, I, I love it. It's yeah. tangible and you can see it yeah. and, yeah. It's, and it's a wonderful thing. So thank you for, 
for all you do, and thank you for all everything your your foundation does. Well, thank and, you for that great plug. Um, yeah, I think we, it, we just appreciate the opportunity to be of service to you. So yeah, well, y'all have been amazing partners for us through the years, and and certainly Bill Smith, your founder, is from Burlington and sure. has a huge heart for our community. So that's he been does. a really beautiful partnership there. But um, I mean, I think every community foundation is unique. Every community is a little bit different. But I think I can safely say that any community foundation is going to be thrilled to pick up the phone if somebody wants to call and ask some questions, whether it's because you want to volunteer and serve, it's because you want to um, potentially open a fund or learn about ways to invest in the local community. This is why we're here. We love right. having these conversations and and um, participating and collaborating in in this dialogue is exactly why I'm sitting in this seat today and <laughs> and why community foundations exist. So I, I think it's a great recommendation to call your local community foundation just to find out more. Well, we're glad you're in this seat too. Thanks. <laughs> we really appreciate you. It's honestly a privilege. Excellent. Well, thank you for being here, Gavin. Yeah, thank Gavin, you. thank you so much for being our guest today. We've we've really enjoyed having you. Absolutely. Thanks so much for the invitation. All righty. See you soon. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to Trust Company Talks. These opinions are intended as entertainment. Any opinions expressed on this podcast by Bill Noble, Burke Coons, or anyone else are not necessarily those of Trust Company of the South. There is no guarantee that these statements, opinions, or forecasts provided here will prove to be accurate. Any information is not a complete summary or statement of all available data necessary for making an investment decision and does not constitute a recommendation. These materials are not intended to be tax or legal advice. Your readers are encouraged to consult their own legal tax and investment advisor before implementing any financial strategy.